Agents Podcast. This episode of the Lab Code Agents Podcast is brought to you by RedX, the complete real estate prospecting solution. RedX offers high quality lead data on expireds, for sale by owners, vacant rental property owners, pre foreclosures, and geo leads, the number one data source for neighborhood prospecting. You can also filter, organize, and call your leads inside Vortex, the all in one lead management platform, free with any lead subscription. With RedX, you get more than just phone numbers. You get all the tools you need to connect with more homeowners who are actively looking to sell. RedX is offering our listeners $150 off. Just go to redx.bz forward slash LCA. That's R-E-D-X dot B-Z forward slash LCA to sign up for RedX today. Okay, so I don't often interview coaches on the podcast anymore. As you know, we're rapidly approaching 200 episodes. And as you, my audience, is listening to this, I think you've come to learn that, you know, my goal is to bring you value, something tangible, something that you can walk away with from each episode and learn from. And so the reason I don't bring a lot of coaches on anymore is because, A, I'm inundated with them asking to be guests on. And really, what is the differentiation from one to the other? Because and I'm going to call it out to our guest today, who is a coach, by the way, or has a coaching platform. He's got all these accolades, which I truly believe is massively diluted anymore. Accolades are diluted. Uh, and so how do you dig deep to find the good ones? And I'm going to tell this. Jake Dixon has no idea what I'm about ready to say. But what caught my eye as I was just doing a little homework was simply this. First of all, he coaches to a lot of broker owners. That's kind of their niche. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit a bit about that today. But that wasn't what caught my eye. What caught my eye was, is they focus on the agents who, according to NAR, sell 24 or fewer homes per year, not to mention the 87% who fail within their first two years. And I know coming out of 2022, as we are right now, there's a lot of struggling agents. And we already know 87% fail. This is an industry of a bunch of people who struggle to succeed. And this is a coaching platform who focuses on helping those people. That I liked to hear. And that is why I wanted to bring Jake on today uh, to talk about his, not really talk about his platform, The Locker Room, so much, uh, but really talk about what you do and how you help agents grow. And Jake, I didn't tell you this before we started, but uh, you know, I love to provide and give to our audience something tactical, tangible that they can walk away with and apply in their business today. So welcome to the show, Jake Dixon. <laughs> well, what a lead in, man. Thank you so much. No pressure or anything, but honestly, man, I am blessed to be here. Thank you for the opportunity and thank you for what you do for the community you're a man, myth, legend, all the things. And uh, I'm humbled to be here. So I think I've kissed your butt enough by now. Let's go. <laughs> well, I tell you what, let's uh, let's start here. Um, I already know that you are uh, you reside in Wisconsin, which holds a special place in my heart. You also said you're a Cardinal fan. That's an extra special place in my heart. Uh, but outside of that, I don't know much about you. So why don't you tell our audience who the hell you are and kind of what led you to where you are today? Yeah, no, happy to. So, uh, well, first of all, I'm a I'm a father of two beautiful young daughters, eight, eight and seven years old right now. A husband to an amazing wife and business partner. She's really the brains and operations behind the whole thing, and uh, that's who I am above all else. But no, I got started uh, back in real estate. Took a little hiatus in 2016, and that's where the vision of the locker room really began. Is 2016, uh, and ever since then, we've helped 
like you said, hundreds of broker owners, leaders, tens of thousands of the, the, the newer, lesser experienced dual career agents. And man, I'm just obsessively, unapologetically passionate to serve the underserved and uh, feel like every day we're doing God's work and, and able. And I think I connect so well with it. Something you said is because I'm a baseball guy. I played college and professional baseball and it's a game of failure. Well, real estate has us also set up as a game of failure. So there's just this national or natural place in my heart, maybe to stand up for those who are who are not getting the support and not letting money be the deciding factor, whether or not they can receive world-class coaching and training. I love that. And I've got some questions, but anybody who knows me as a host knows that when anybody says they have a sports background, I'm a sports uh, nut. So I, I always have to ask a question. Uh, and so you said, I, I saw, and I saw in your bio, you, you played at North Florida and you played professionally, which probably means you got drafted. So where, who drafted you and how long did you last in the minors? Yeah, man. So I got drafted actually out of high school in the middle of nowhere. So that was unheard of at the time, I guess you might say, uh, as a hitter. So I, you can't tell I'm sitting down, but I'm six foot six. I'm a big dude. So I got drafted as a hitter. I turned that down by the Oakland A's in the 18th round. I turned that down to take a full ride scholarship to UNF, uh, North Florida, and got drafted my next eligible year, which is my junior year, as a pitcher. And so I accepted that, went on to pitch my very first year in pro ball. And long story short, I had. Tommy John surgery on my pitching elbow my junior year. So I came back to pitch two great years on it. And wouldn't you know, I'm going to be one of those old grandpas washed up someday saying I could have, should have, would have been there in the big leagues. But it was my very first year in pro ball where I retore my, my ligament. And I just, I just moved on with life from there. Oh man, that's, that's too bad. But I think that's a common story in baseball, actually. Unfortunately it is. Yeah. It's just like getting your oil changed, but unfortunately I always promised myself that I wouldn't get a second surgery because there's a lot of rehab that goes into that mm -hmm. and just ready to move on. I was uh, considered to be an old rookie, I guess you might say 22, 23 years old, somewhere in there probably. And uh, it was just time to move on. So, so when you played, when you played professional ball, what, what system were you in? Oh, I, maybe I left that out. I was with the angels. So I got drafted out of high school by the A's and then out of college by the Anaheim Angels. Very cool. Very cool, man. Uh, did Billy Bean, was he the one who drafted you? That was the that was literally the year. 2001 was yeah. the year when Moneyball came out. <laughs> so it was that same year, yes. So so it should have been you and not Mike Trout then, too, at the Angels. That is, uh... That's what I'm going to say. Yeah, my kids <laughs> will never know the difference by the time I'm telling that story. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll stop boring the non-sports fans, which is probably most of you. I'm sorry, I can't help myself. You, it's But if good. you know, if you listen to this podcast, you know I do that anytime somebody's on. All right. So Jake, you, you, you know, back in 16, you had this, this vision, this passion, but so you were in real estate, right? And so was, what did that trajectory look like for you in the real estate space? When did you start in real estate? Yeah. So, all right. So in 20, 2007, I got started in real estate technically that was after baseball. Right. And I affiliated with Lennar home. So it was new, new home construction. Oh, yeah, it doesn't really count, you know, but so I did that for almost three years. During the crash. No During course. the crash. Yeah. Way to go. You know, but I took a break by moving back home, starting an indoor baseball training facility. That's a different story for a different day. But when I got back home, I got that itch to get my license again and start just, I told myself I was just going to do it on the side. Well, people like you and I probably don't know how to do too many things on the side. We go all in and that's exactly what happened. So my claim to fame was this. I got my license in 2013, went to Keller Williams at the time. I sold one home and I got the tap on the shoulder from our from the owner of, of the company and said, hey, we want to call you in and interview you for this team leader role. And I'm like, what the hell? Who, I'm the new guy. I've just I just started. I've sold one home. 
what the, like, I thought it was a joke. And anyways, long story short, I ended up taking the opportunity, did some great things in that office, got another opportunity to uh, be the TL in a top 20 market center down in North Carolina. So I moved my family there. And then I found an opportunity to become a coach within a, an office in 2016. And that's really where the trajectory began regarding the locker room. And we've just been going nonstop ever since. That is so crazy. I'll leave my thoughts to myself because I am the most agnostic person on the planet as it relates to TL positions. Uh, but that's crazy. And yeah. also, but but at the same token, I'll say this to whoever had that that tapped you on that, so, that shoulder, clearly had a very strong premonition and they probably have hired some pretty awesome people. So so I applaud them because clearly they knew what they were doing. That's pretty awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. So, okay. So here, here we go. And 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 obviously you've you've progressed and you're out of real estate altogether now. And so when did that happen? When did you yep. leave real estate, decide I'm just going to go all in on, on this platform? Yeah, it was re- it was really 2016 when I was transitioning out of the TL role into uh the, the coaching type role that I remember I was at an event, it was expansion systems. So talking about to teams and really expanding beyond just their cities into other states and stuff, which is now widely accepted. But at the time it was cutting edge and innovative. So I'm sitting in that room having this vision saying, huh, what if I could create a coaching platform, kind of like an expansion model, but for coaches. And that's exactly what we did. So I dedicated that very first year to one massive beta test because I didn't inherit anything. I Didn't know what the hell I was doing. Hadn't sold a home in years. And so I really just started to document everything I was doing, knowing that if this worked, I would have deliverables that I could duplicate that same success in other offices. So that very first year, fast forward, working with largely new agents, first year, part-time dual career agents, collectively, they sold 623 homes in my coaching program for 124 million of volume. $1 $1 million of company dollar generated and $3.6 million of agent earned GCI. And my coach at the time said, Hey, after six months, you are now the number one coach within this certain ecosystem. And apparently we're doing some pretty amazing things. And so July, 2017 comes, we expanded into our first location by the end of the year, we're in 35. And by the end of the following year, we were upwards of 150 ish. So we've just been growing like crazy breaking things, fixing it, breaking it, fixing it, just trying to keep our head above water this entire time. That's incredible. That's incredible. Uh, and so, you know, obviously I want to get tactical here. Yes. And and so what would you say, because clearly you found that uh, fountain of youth, so to speak, yes. in terms of, of how to help an agent grow their business, because you wouldn't, we wouldn't be talking right now if you weren't good at it. What was, is there that one thing? Like, what is that, uh, you know, and then let's go deep on it. All right. So a couple of things. I could just stop me if I get too too much on this. But first of all, unpopular opinion, maybe. I think success lives outside of your comfort zone is absolute BS. So what I do believe in is success lives in your strength zone. To answer your question, then I have a ability, I guess, to ask questions and find what what comes natural to that person? What motivates them internally versus me giving professional advice? A lot of coaches are really just professional advice givers, right? And so worrying about not what am I not so good at, but what are the few things I'm really freaking good at? And how do we take that, all those transferable skills from your former career and your behavioral style and mesh all that together into your own custom 
lead generation plan, for example. So now they wake up every day wanting to go to work, not dreading making cold calls or whatever. So that was one thing. The other was just really simplifying. I'm from a small town and that served me well. I just see things that others make overly complicated. And then they go hide behind that complexity as justification for future failure. They threw up that wall. They created it. And I'm just over here saying, really? Does it have to be that that complicated? So I'm big on time on task over time, but here's something crunchy your audience can take away. We have something that we call the five to 25 challenge. Math majors out there, follow me. So what would that look like? Say that, if say you that just five to 25. The five to 25 challenge. Okay. So there's programs out there that say make 10 contacts or 20 contacts or a hell, 100 contacts a day. And I just chunk it down because I'm a time on task over time guy. So what if I made five conversations a day about real estate? Anybody can do that. I don't care if you're dual career, full time, it doesn't matter. Five real estate conversations a day. Multiply that by five days a week. Then multiply that by 50 weeks worked in a year. Let's just hypothetically say. Well, that's 1,250 real estate conversations over time. Now, I have tracked this for seven years. So if anybody listening, you can debate this all you want. I have witnessed for agents within their first two years of the business, a common theme of a 50 to one conversion rate. It's about 2%. So for every 50 conversations, it will eventually yield you one new piece of business. So what is 1,250 real estate conversations multiplied by 2%? 25. You're going to make me get on my calculator. Nope. I got you. I got you back. I wouldn't do that to you, Jeff. It's 25. Hence the five to 25 challenge. And in your introduction, NAR says roughly 90 plus percent of agents sell 24 or fewer homes a year. Most traditional coaching options tailor to the quote unquote already successful agent. So that is where we found our home, our little niche, but it's actually not so little. It's the majority. Yeah. And, and our messaging is consistent with helping those people who don't tell me they're not motivated. That's what a lot of leaders like to do quickly is they cast blame. Oh, that agent's not motivated. I only want to work with the motivated agents. I got a problem with that. Yeah. I think we actually have just as much of a leadership problem as we do a quote unquote, lack of motivated agent problem. Yeah. How do you motivate them to get them to, to, to get them unmotivated? How about that? Correct. There you go. Ask better questions. How about that? Find out what comes natural to them. How do they take somebody who's a, maybe a high C personality, who's really great at graphic design or drawing and art, they're artistic and translate that skill into real estate legion, for example, there's ways to do it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You just got to listen. So, so I mean, first of all, five to 25, just do the math. It sounds very simple, but you and I both know it's not simple. Yeah. The task at calling five people a day, five days a week really isn't even that time consuming because you're probably not having many conversations. Most of them are voicemails probably. But so let's, let me, let me rewind it for a second. Where does one, okay. So a, a few questions, 1,250 connections is it 1250 unique or how many how many people in this pipeline so to speak or soi do they need to have to be able to potentially execute this great question we get asked that a lot and i guess there's probably a lot of varying opinions on this if you were if you're an overachiever then yeah take it literally on its face where it's 1250 unique conversations 
it's 2022 right now at the time of this. I'm a realist. I understand that that may not be the case for everybody. So it's any time that it's a meaningful two-way conversation about real estate. And if it's a new conversation with the old person. So for example, <laughs> I'm not going to count the same conversation twice from somebody I spoke to last week and today. But if I spoke to somebody today and again in six months, and now there's a new fresh need to have that real estate-based conversation, fine, count it. You know, So I'm less worried about the scoreboard and more worried about, did it advance your agenda in the right direction? And was it a meaningful two-way conversation? Okay. And so that's good and well, but I'm thinking to myself, if I'm going to do this, I need to know because, okay, let's just say that, man, I've maybe got 50 to 100. I can't be calling these people every month. I'm going to get on their nerves. So is there a target number? How do you, you know, how do you advise people to just get started with that list? Correct. So I personally use a 5% return on database. So for example, if somebody had a, a goal of closing 24 homes a year, that would indicate I need roughly 480 people in my quote unquote database. That makes sense. So I just reverse engineer the math. If if any listeners are looking for that actual number, you know, it's not an exact science always, but that at least gives you something. What is your closed unit goal? Divide that by 0.05%. There's your number. Now, if, if some of your listeners, which obviously are in lab code agents, are much more experienced, I'm quoting lesser experienced first two-year agent numbers. Some people here probably blow that percentage point out of the water. I, I get that. But conservatively speaking, I use a 5% return. Well, and I would argue that this, this uh, strategy, again, it's it's not rocket science, but everybody should be doing this because it's not massively time consuming. And so even if I am uh, an agent who's doing, you know, triple digit numbers, units of transactions every year, you did 100, let's go to 200. And if you don't have time to do it, hire somebody who is going to do that. Because the way I would think about this, and, and correct me if my mindset is off here, but I think you start... If I was advising someone, I'd say get to 300 because now 300 means you've got you've got the 300 and you got to touch those people within the quarter. Right. Then next quarter, start over again. And, you know, it's like the whole ABC thing. You go down the list. Right. Is that is that a safe place for someone to potentially start? I would say absolutely. Yes. You hear I hear a lot. 200. It's there's all these magical numbers that people pick from thin air. I'll get behind any number as long as there's math to support how you got there versus every agent, for example, saying, I want to earn six figures. You know, I don't want that database number to be the same. Just pick it from thin air. Show me how you got there and let's make it make sense. But I want to say something and use a, a sports or baseball analogy, I guess you might like this one. So last year, for example, the home run derby during the all-star break. I remember the cameras. I'm sitting there eating Cheetos on the couch watching this. Pete Alonzo, who, by the way, ended up winning the home run derby last year from the New York Mets. Right? Yeah, not this most recent one, literally last year. So he won the home run derby, right? I remember in the middle of it, the camera saw him down under the stadium in the batting cage tunnel, putting a ball on a freaking tee, hitting a ball off of a tee in the middle of a home run derby. What's the point? Where you already get fatigued from swinging too much. Right. So what's the point? Here's my point. When I used to give kids, let's say a 12 year old, for example, baseball lessons, and he might say, come on, coach, I really have to start hitting a ball off the tee. I'm like, yeah, huh? 
Because until you're on the big leagues making millions of dollars doing that, we might want to take note here. And here's the point. This game, the blocking and the tackling, the fundamentals of the game don't change. See, the same thing that I have to do as an agent to close 12 homes a year is literally the same thing I have to do to close 112 homes a year. In Little League, that pitcher's throwing 55. In the big leagues, they're throwing 95. Here you go, hit it. So the game doesn't change. The same way I'm teaching that 12-year-old to grip that ball or hold that bat is literally the same way they're doing it in the bigs. The only thing that changes is that the game speeds up. So in real estate, the game doesn't change. The same thing you do for 12 is the same thing you do for 112. It's just that the game speeds up a little bit. It's no different. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just a basics, fundamentals guy and have different ways to chunk something down that's seemingly very complex to some a person and chunking it down in such a way that says, if you're just willing to do, you know, submit to time on task over time, instead of being this spoiled brat who lives in this pop tart society who wants everything now, 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 then you're going to be just fine. Okay. So let's take it to the next step. So we identified, you know, the numbers and we identified roughly where you need to go, but we identified that there isn't necessarily a magic number. Okay. So where does someone conceive this list from? Because I'm assuming, I could be wrong, but I I think you specifically said call, not text, not DM, not email. If if I said call, I didn't mean to. Two-way conversation. Got it. Okay. Maybe I just assumed that. Maybe I just assumed that. So what what is where does someone start to conceive this list? So so first first things first, you probably have some past customers. You have friends and family, but that list is probably for many, especially the the people that qualify in the less than twenty four eighty seven percent failure, all that kind of stuff. They're probably maybe fifty people in their SOI that legitimately qualify because we're not talking about. Your cousin uh, who lives seven states away, who probably is ne- you're never going to do a transaction with. Right. Uh, we're talking about legitimate people in your market that you might work with, right? right? So, where does someone start to build this list? Great question. So, first of all, anybody can. We have a memory jogger. You can go to Google, find your own memory jogger. That's a great way to at least come up with some names because the odds are your interactions are more than just fifty people in this instance. So, I call BS a lot on people who claim that. What they're actually doing is they're cherry picking their database yeah. because they don't know what they would say to somebody they haven't talked to for a couple of years or something. So it's not a database problem. It's a, I don't know what to say script problem. Okay. And again, I just like to get really clear on what is the actual issue. But here's the here's an answer maybe to your question is a couple of things. Number one, get your cell phone out. Show me your Facebook. Show me your Instagram. Try and convince me now you don't have enough people. I mean, come on, like they're there. Again, I go back to the cherry picking claim. But if if then, if then it's still true that I don't have enough, what do I do? I'm huge, a huge advocate on allied resources, vendor partners, or what we call top 50 MVPs. So who are those other people that are associated with a real estate transaction? LOs, insurance agents, title, home warranty reps. You get the point. What would that look like if I went to coffee or lunch one time a week for 50 weeks out of the year? Could I not? get a 50%, 25 of them, give me one referral a year, there's 25 sales. So I'm just big on the networking and relationship building. It's got to be a two-way street. And then the other thing I'm really passionate about goes back to the strength zone concept is what are you just naturally interested in or you know like being around? So 
here's a spoiler alert. Those that know me will get a kick out of this. I'm kind of a nerd. I like Native American Indian history. So I enjoy going looking for like arrowheads and Indian artifacts out in cornfields and stuff. So believe it or not, there's a Wisconsin Historical Society group that are other dorks like me who love talking about Native American artifacts and collect those things like I do. So why wouldn't I just plant myself amongst them, make friends, share a common interest, and then get an organic conversation about, hey, so it's two o'clock on a Wednesday. What do you do for work? What allows you to be here at this meeting? And if I ask them enough questions, most normal people will eventually ask me the same question back. And that's where the real estate gods open the clouds on you. Just don't blow it. Know your scripts. It's also just conversation, relationship building one-on-one, what you just described. Exactly. And, and, <laughs> and so many in our industry just suck at that. We just can't get out of our own way of wanting to sell before we even meet somebody. And then you ruin the sale because you tried to sell. And yeah, it's uh... exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's, again, it's, it's not complicated. Does it take effort? Yeah. But anybody watching this right now, considering throwing in the towel or saying, I'm going to go get a real job. No, no, this is very much a real job. You're just not showing up to work every day. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, it's so true. So, uh, you know, let's go. I want to rewind. Well, first of all, I, I love some of the things you said there. Like you put yourself in, so to speak, rooms with people that things that you already enjoy doing. Exactly. The funny parallel to that is it's exactly what we preach about social that, and I don't want to go too far off task here, but why our industry is the largest and the worst spamming industry on the planet because we get onto social and then we just immediately start vomiting about our closings and our listings and taking closing pictures and the awards that we want. And nobody gives a shit. Yes. And, and what they should be doing is leaning into their authenticity. What are the things that you're already doing with your life? Like being a nerd going and looking for uh, you know, Native American artifacts. Like I have bird feeders out here and I post about it because there's enough bird nerds out there that it, that engage that content and then it creates conversations and that's where people are overthinking this stuff. And I like how that's a real life scenario. You, everybody's heard me preach about it from a social perspective. It's the same concept. It's the exact same concept. In fact, if Jake is an overachiever, not only is he going to those rooms physically and making these relationships, he's then posting about it, which is now going to create parasocial relationships with people that he's never had the chance to meet that automatically become a quote unquote fan because they have something in common. And um, it's, I, I love that, but, but I want to, but I want to digress for a second for back to where we were talking about how to find these people. And, you know, that led you to the, you know, this, this, this idea. And and you even mentioned reaching out to your, you know, mortgage partners or, or, or title or insurance or whatever. But the reality is I want to take it even back a little bit, a step further. Everybody has at least on the low end a thousand friends on Facebook. Even if you don't do anything on social, you've probably got a thousand friends. And so I would I would challenge our audience, get more intentional about your Facebook, you know, friends. It's harder to grow on Instagram and TikTok and because that's followers. Yes. But on Facebook, it's easy. Just we, we have a challenge we call go run, go run your Facebook 5K. Go run a Facebook 5K. Because what do they give you? A maximum 5,000 friends. If you don't have 5,000 friends, Congratulations. That's your most immediate action item leaving here today, aside from the five to 25. And they actually go hand in hand. Like that's inexcusable to me that you wouldn't max out this free opportunity you have. And Facebook does all the heavy lifting for you. When you log in over here on the right side, it says, Hey, you have 16 mutual friends with this person. Click the button 
don't spam, do like 10 a day maybe, and you'll get to 5,000 before you know it. Easy. Yeah. And and I and here's what I would say to that as a follow-up is be intentional about it. Most of you probably have two or three thousand, and probably half of that is just random people in like India or five states away that will never turn into business, but you just accepted them as a friend request. Here's what I do, Jake, and, and I'm I'm a busy guy. Every single day I review my birthdays on Facebook. So I look, I get that, I get that list. I go in, I click on each person, I make sure that there's relevance. Either they're in my industry or I know them personally. If I can't figure out who the hell they are, I'm losing them because I want to open up a spot because I also hate a big thing, a big pet peeve of mine is the people that are at 5,000 friends who then send friend requests. Yeah. Like you already know you're at 5,000. Don't try to get me to follow you. Did you really want to be my friend or not? And so take the time. And if you follow this strategy by Jake, which is a great one, take the time to be intentional. If I can make the time for it, so can you. And be intentional about who you have as friends and always keep your number between 40, you know, 4,500 and 5,000. So you always have room when you go to an event to add people because there's nothing that annoys me. And if it annoys me, it probably annoys other people. When I, when you friend me and you already have 5,000 friends, I'm like, screw you. Now I am purposely not going to be your friend because get out of here. You and I didn't swap notes before this podcast. I'm pretty sure. And I'm laughing over here because literally- I do the same exact thing. I'm like, happy birthday. <laughs> well, Don't know you. That, we didn't even mention that side of it. Like that's a great excuse to just have a conversation, right? Yeah. Well, and, and be different. Shoot a, a Facebook video. video or quick little video on your cell phone saying, hey, I want to wish you happy birthday. Make it yes. a great day. Do something to spoil yeah. yourself instead of showing up on their newsfeed like everybody else. But, Don't exactly. Don't post to their newsfeed because you're just getting lost in the shuffle. God, yeah, I guess I guess we cu- we're cut from the same cloth. Like we that. really are. Yeah. So Wisconsin connection. <laughs> it must be. It must be. <laughs> OK, so we, we've we've established. So 525, everybody that's listening, we just gave you something that you should be doing like now. Uh, number one, then you go find those people, let's say two to 400. You should have a database of two to 400. And all of you probably have closer to 5,000 in reality. And so so, so do that. Be intentional. Uh, do the Facebook thing, as, as Jake just described. Where do we go next? Um, and so the, those none of that's rocket science, but it's a commitment that I think everybody needs to pull back and make in their business, especially now. But where do we go next? So I think I think the big and I don't mean to tr- make this into a social media thing. I mean you, you know far more than I do about I this. I argue stuff. with you on that. Well, right. So correct me if I'm wrong, but what's worked for me, I've built now five businesses on f- literally Facebook alone, and it's it's engaging. It's a social network, right? So what happens is even though it's one thing to add and get up to my five thousand friends or whatever, now it's kind of its own built-in CRM. And I've got to be really specific and intentional about how I utilize that to stay in front of them, show up on their feeds. I'm not an algorithm guy, but I know there's a lot to it. So it's going out of your way, not just hitting that like button. A like button is this, is if you and I are walking down the sidewalk and I see you, Jeff, here's the like button. Yep. What's up? Did, I'm nodding he my head. head. He did a head nod. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I'm nodding my head over here. Instead of Oh my gosh, taking the extra two seconds to say something and typing something. We're we're just getting we're getting lazy on social media. So comment. And then when they comment back, comment back. Don't just ghost them. All these things that I'm sure you train on and, and know far better than I do, but that to me is it. So I can get my five interactions in a day by commenting and then always seeking to upgrade that conversation. I might take it from their wall to a DM. 
I might take it to a DM, to a text or a phone call from a phone call to a belly to belly luncheon. Like where can I always seek to upgrade the conversation? You will win. If you have enough patience and enough intentionality behind it, that's the formula as far as I'm concerned. But I'm last thing I'll say, sorry, I'm big on life. I call it lifestyling. It's going back to what we said, like put yourself where there's people and shared common interests. Gary V teaches this stuff, right? You don't create content, just document what you're already doing. That's how I see this. If I'm going to go to the grocery store, grocery store, I'm going to say hello to the person next to me or compliment the cashier and maybe get in a quick dialogue, like, and then make a point of always going back to the same person. Now I've got a new friend. Yeah, I, I agree. And and Jake, the reality is, is that the way the world is evolving and especially with uh, millennials and Gen Z, as we study this stuff, because the, you know, the, the, the future of our country, the future of marketing, the future of, of, of technology and social media is driven by the youth of America. And, and so that's why big companies study this kind of stuff. And our industry, which is is geriatric by comparison, is saying, oh, no, I'm going to just focus on the 30 plus crowd. Uh, when in reality, you should actually be focusing your efforts on those younger crowds. Because here's the thing, as we go back to this 525, and, and I'm, I'm kind of dating myself because I assumed making phone calls, which is so old school. Um, and, <laughs> That's and it so is. 10 years ago, and, Jeff. And it is. I mean, you know, it's there's nothing that beats a face-to-face and then a phone call over a text. But the reality is you have to meet your consumer where they want to be met. And everybody from, from the Gen Z, which is 11 to 25-ish, uh, to millennials who are 15 or who are 25 to about low 40s, they prefer, and I'm not one of them. I'm actually 45, but I'm. I feel like I'm one of them because I hate phone calls anymore. Like, yeah. just text me, and then I'll decide if it's worthy of a phone call, right? And I don't know why I, you know, just it's just the way we've evolved. And so if you if you come from the mindset of I want to have phone calls, you've got to remember this isn't about you. This is about them. And as you brought that up about social and. This could be so much bigger than 525. Like, I I think so many people should be listening to this, thinking to themselves, let's try 20, 100 or 25, 100 or 20, whatever it is, whatever the numbers break out to be, because it's so easy when you actually apply it on social. And I mean, God, this it is, but it's also that simplicity. And and again, you got, I understand, I spent a lot of my time with the, the newer crowd. So I get that, but even though it's easy, so many people get blindsided by this actual simplicity and they convince themselves it couldn't be that easy. It couldn't be, the math couldn't work like, like you're suggesting, Jake. And so when people scoff at even just the idea of, of five a day, I'm like, well, how many are you currently doing? And they have no idea. They're not tracking it. Yeah. You know, if it falls in their lap, maybe they have a conversation or two. But what we're talking about is proactive outreach, not just reactive coming to you yeah. type of stuff. So it takes intent. And if people can't answer five, you laugh at it, but how many are you currently doing? And they can't answer that, which is the majority. Yeah. Then let's start there. It's it's just like lifting weights. A lot of agents get in this business and they're told make 20 contacts a day or lead generate for three hours. And look, that's the quickest way to burn out as far as I'm concerned. If I haven't lifted weights for six months and I try to go to the gym and max out, what's going to happen to me tomorrow? Yeah, you're, you're injured, by the way. I can't move. I'm sore, right? If you I'm, didn't I'm, injure yourself, yeah. Yeah, I'm no good to anybody. Yeah. In this sport, real estate, there is such a thing as fatigue, muscle soreness. I've got lead generation soreness because I went from zero to 60 versus just 
putting 245s on the bar and getting my reps in, getting my five in. And then if I'm ready, I can add some more weight. And now I can, you know, get up to 10, 15, 20 a day. Yeah. I'm just trying to ask any, any common person, anybody listening to this cannot convince me they couldn't do five a day. That's why I start there. And the math supports getting you into the top three to 5% of producers, according to NAR. Yeah. And I think, I think anybody who's listening is thinking that to themselves, this is easy. You're right. I mean, cause here's what's going to happen. Life's going to happen. You're going to get into an argument with your spouse and it's going to derail you. Your kids are going to be assholes. It's going to derail you. Um, you're going to have a deal go sideways. It's going to derail you. And you really, you really, it's, it's, it is no different than going to the gym because you, you know, January one, you're, you're so stoked. And by February one, you've, you've already failed on it. And it's because that discipline is so incredibly hard, but also I think the numbers five create 25, that's a long game. The reality is that 25 probably isn't happening in year one. And, and so it's, it's, it's year two, maybe even year three. And I think so many of you are going to walk away from this podcast because this is very, very tangible. It's something you could, you know, absolutely put in your business, but just like social media that we preach, like if you don't do it consistently over a number of years, you're, you're not going to see the result. And if you only do this for a couple of months, yeah, you're going to come back and be like, it doesn't work, Jake. No, you just didn't stick with it long enough. Preaching. Yes, sir. Yes to all of that. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Mic drop from Jeff. I love it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just you just set the ball on T. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, and, and I just hit it. Uh, so you did there. as as we as we um, as we wrap this up, um, obviously that you know I think the the reality is this audience anybody listening and and I just came back from a mastermind in Cabo with the top producers within our company and I and I told our people I was. What floored me the most, I wasn't floored by anything that anybody said about what they're doing in their business. What I was floored by was how simplistic it was. And I said, in that, it made me realize, guys, there's so much opportunity here because A, the best of the best are doing this basic stuff and it's what makes them the best. But it also tells me they're not doing anything innovative, which tells me that that innovative, that field of innovation is just a is in a blank canvas of opportunity. But what would you say? What, what, how would you leave our audience today based on what we talked about, which is basically very simplistic? What's the advice that you're giving to somebody who's saying this can't be that easy? Show up, do the work, surround yourself with other positive, like minded people that you're willing to be held accountable to. And just from a, a, a coach's perspective, right? Here's something that we learn in coaching school. And I know you know this, Jeff. It's PITFAR, P T F A R. And I, anytime I share this, I share it because you can coach yourself, whether you want to invest in a coach or a training company or whatever or not, here you go. Your programming leads to your thoughts. Your thoughts leads to your feelings. Your feelings leads to your actions and your actions lead to your results. So write that down on a piece of paper, P-T-F-A-R. And then all you do is reverse engineer it. If you right now listening to this are not getting the results that you want, what comes before that? The A, the actions. So talk to me about what you're doing. Uh, 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 well, nothing. Okay. So let's say lead generation is the action. And if you're not doing the action, go back another one. P-T-F-A-R. So the F is feelings. What are your feelings when it comes to lead generation? Well, I feel slimy and salesy and that I'm bothering my friends. Interesting. Is there a thought that you had from way back when that that make, created that feeling about lead generation. You see what I'm doing? I'm just reversing the order and it all stems from our programming. And once I understand that, I can actually pull out the root of the weed, 
right? Not just picking at the top of it and change everything from that point forward. So if my programming is somebody who once upon a time called me that was a telemarketer, and ever since then I've conditioned myself to believe lead gen is like being a telemarketer, well, no wonder you have that feeling around it. It feels yucky. But what if we could go back and say, was that really what it is? You know, or were they just calling you on the wrong day when you had a bad day and they're over there trying to provide for their little kids? They didn't do anything wrong. Shame on me for judging. <laughs> you know, yeah. so that's that's what I would give your audience is pitfar, P-T-F-A-R. Coach yourself if you don't end up hiring a coach. Yeah, uh, go through the go through the uh, acronym one more time. Sure. My programming leads to my thoughts. My thoughts lead to my feelings. My feelings lead to my actions and my actions lead to my results. Well, it's a good tweet. I'm going to tweet that. There you go. I like it. I like it. Um, and so if anybody says, you know, okay, Jake, uh, you have these, uh, you, you have success stories, you have this strategy, albeit simplistic, but clearly you have a way of getting people to execute. Uh, how do they connect with you? And, and what does that even look like? Yeah, no, of course. So our website, if you want the website, is tlrnation.com, tlrnation.com. Or you can follow us. We're very active on social. So it's Facebook. Just look up the Locker Room Real Estate Coaching and Training Company. Uh, we're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. I don't even know where else. Probably everywhere. But I'm most involved on Facebook and or um well, Facebook primarily. The rest of my team handles the rest. So, way to go, old man. Way to hang out. Yeah, in Facebook. I mean, at least I fit the description. Okay, I love uh, it. So go check it out. TLR Nation. That stands for the Locker Room. TLRNation.com. Go check it out. I went down the rabbit hole myself. That's kind of why I learned a little bit more about Jake and, and the platform and was interested. You know, you delivered today, man. I mean, this is uh, this is what the world needs to hear. And I'll say it again, folks. This is where you need to go right now. And I know some of you are big followers of Tristan and I, and we're talking about these innovative strategies. And we sh you should do that too. But in in the grand scheme of things, there's a lot of back to basics conversations going on in rooms of top producers. And I'm telling you right now, you're in a room uh, with people that want to help you grow your business, and so a virtual room, a podcast room, but uh, get back to the basics. Uh, you know, take the, use this time that you have right now and you're going to have over the next six months as we continue to muddy along and, and use it as an opportunity not to take time off, not to vacation, not to work on your garden, not to work on your handicap, to work on your damn business and, and be primed and ready when we come out of this thing. So Jake, uh, it's been awesome, man. It's great to meet you. And um, hopefully we can stay, stay uh, connected. Likewise, man. Thanks for the opportunity. Go get it done. Real estate's a contact sport. Go get your jersey dirty. <laughs> Today's podcast is brought to you by Power ISA, the industry experts in real estate ISAs. Get more appointments. Make sure your follow-up gets done on time and you get the most out of your leads. Get a great ISA for real estate on your team and watch the results roll in. Power ISA has served over 1,200 agents in the U.S. and Canada since 2015, and it's the one-stop shop for everything you need to get a great inside sales agent on your team. Whether it's setting appointments with your internet leads or making outbound prospecting calls to help you get more listings, Power ISA can get it done for you. Visit PowerISA.com forward slash LCA to get started. 
That's PowerISA.com forward slash LCA. Lab Coat Agents Podcasts.